Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you folks. Thank you so much. Just wonderful to be here. Yes, I'm getting choked up too, Pastor Omar. Praise the Lord. Amen. Every time, every time I I am here in the church or in a situation where I get to hear uh, be with Pastor Omar and Letty and just see the hand of God on their lives, uh, I especially uh, am blessed because I just remember all those years ago, that young man, I think, what, 16, 17, he would chase us out to the car. We, he was such a picture of what you wish that every young person would be, you know, so he was so hungry, you know, he was so, I mean, there was just nothing that was going to hold him back. He'd follow us out, and when he couldn't get a hold of my husband, because Brother Neville was often quite surrounded by so many people, you know, and and uh, Pastor Omar was, uh, you know, the young guy, the kid, the kid on the totem pole, you know, so a lot of the older guys would get a little more attention, you know, than when he couldn't get through to Pastor Mike, then he would follow me to the car. <laughs> say, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? I'll never forget that question, Pastor Omar. What do I need to do? And I just remember saying to him, just keep doing what you're doing. Be where you're at. Do what God puts in front of you. Keep staying connected to Pastor Mike, you know, and, and just, you know, encourage him and, and just to see uh, the fruit of of when someone is hungry and passionate, amen, you guys are the fruit of that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And wow, what an awesome year this is for you guys, 30 years for the church, 35 years. They, they were telling me that, to, that today was their anniversary, you know, and I'm like going, man, I am feeling super old right now, like just so old. Praise the Lord. But it's glorious. Hallelujah. It's not a complaint. Amen. And, uh, and just the whole year, this is just worthy of celebration, you guys. It's a monumental year, and I pray that you'll look at it that way and, and just see all that God's going to do uh, for you as a congregation and as a fellowship. And I love the theme of your conference. That is, that's just powerful bridge and bridging between the generations. And, and wow, I'm just so thankful that your leadership has a heart for that. Praise the Lord. And I do believe that that is God's heart. Amen. And so this conference, this next few days that you guys are going to be joining in together, I believe you are uh, capturing the heart of God. Amen. And that you're going to hear messages, amen, that are going to catapult you into the next level for your congregation and your fellowship. Amen. So praise the Lord. Grab everything that you can grab. Amen. Be like your pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. Follow people out to the trunk of their car. Amen. <laughs> amen. Stalk the pastors. Young people. <laughs> Stalk them. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't think they'll call the cops on you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it's just a joy. Enjoyed the worship time with you. Wonderful to be family, isn't it? Wonderful to be family. Wonderful. Our churches are in great partnership together. You know, we always just feel such a teamwork and a partnership with your churches, your pastor. Amen. So we, that's, that's precious. That kind of fellowship is precious. Amen. 
Would you just bow your heads for a minute? Lord, we love you, and I'm so thankful, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, to stand in this pulpit today and to minister your word to this precious group of people that have come. Lord, they've come to honor you. It's very evident, Lord, they've come in your name. And, Lord God, we thank you that you promised your manifest presence, Lord God. And, Lord, we know, Lord, this morning, Lord God, that, Lord, you have something to speak to us. You know every person where they're at, their need. Lord God, you know the things that no one else needs. And sometimes, Lord Lord God, even the things we ourselves don't know, Lord God, all, Lord God, that's in our hearts, Lord God. But then your word just goes forth and speaks to us, Lord, and makes things clear. I pray today that you will do that, that you will bring help, you'll open eyes, Lord God, you'll bring revelation. Lord God, you know every situation, Lord, and I pray, God, that you, Lord, will minister by your word. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to minister a message that I've entitled, What Do You See? What Do You See? Now, I'm not talking about looking up here, amen. Praise the Lord, although it would be good if I had your attention. But I'm not asking for you to stare me down. This is a spiritual question. Amen. It's the title of the message, What Do You See? Using as my text this morning, 2 Kings 6, 8 through 19. 2 Kings 6, 8 through 19. And when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops and seize him. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes up. Open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced toward him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Then Elisha went out and told them, You've come come the wrong way. This isn't the right city. Follow me and I will take you take you to the man you are looking for, and he led them to the city of Samaria. We'll stop there in this account. Amen. I believe this morning that God wants to open up some eyes. 
He wants to put eye salve on us, as it were, amen, in the same sense that when he spoke to the church at Laodicea, he said that you would put eye salve on, that you could see things as they actually are, to see things in reality. I love this account of Elisha and his servant. It was such a wonderful picture of the peace that can be attained by those who are close enough to the Lord not to panic over what they see with the natural eye. To have that kind of closeness, our eyes so riveted on him that what we see with the natural eye isn't all that we see. Amen? Truth this morning is that you and I are a lot more like the servant than we are like the prophet. We react to what is immediately in front of us. But I believe this morning that the Lord wants to open some eyes. Maybe this morning there are those in this room, you are surrounded by the spirit of fear. Fear that overwhelms you, convinces you that you are not enough that you cannot make the grade, that you will never be able to accomplish what is expected of you. It produces in you great anxiety, fear, and panic. That's what you see. No matter what people say, no matter how many books you read, how many counselors that you listen to, that's what you see. The enemy is great at making these long lists in your mind that paralyze you knock the breath out of you, convinces you that you're going to fail, that you're going to have a breakdown. Those fears will draw from portions of reality. Hear me. It will, the, the enemy is very good at this, at spotlighting portions of things that are actual and things that are partly a reality to convince us that we're going down. There's some of you that when you look out your window, as it were, or you open the door, amen, of your world, amen, as it were, you see that surrounding this morning. You're surrounded by a spirit of fear. You might be in this place this morning and you find yourself surrounded by financial impossibilities. No matter how much you budget, no matter how much you discipline yourself, the needs keep popping up, the unexpected, about the time you think that you might be digging yourself out of the hole, something completely out of your control happens, and it causes the hole to even grow deeper. And we cry like the servant, what are we going to do? You may be in this building this morning, and you're surrounded by debilitating guilt, crippling regrets from the past. How many of you know those things can cripple us, distort our eyesight? Some in this place might be surrounded by relationship disasters and all the aftermath of that. Or maybe a, met, a negative medical report or hard-hearted loved ones that you're dealing with. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that can surround us when we open the door of our world. Man, when we look around, those are the things that we see. And we, like Elisha's servant, 
are filled with terror. But Elisha was able to see with the eyes of faith. He was able to see, and this is real important that you catch this in the beginning of this message, he was able to see a reality that was invisible to the naked eye. Very important. Because, by the way, what he, what the servant saw was very real. Man, we're not like a bunch of ostriches with our heads in the sand. Amen. What he saw, what the servant saw, was very real. What he was not able to see was the invisible. And invisible means not visible to the naked eye. It, in other words, it's something that is concealed from sight. It means that the substance is there, but that we are not able to see it. That's what the word invisible means. The substance is there but we are not able to see it. Invisible is not the same thing as imagined or phantom. Okay? Imagine is a mental image or a concept. Amen. You might, it's always a joke, you know, we, when people are really, really hot, I was at a wedding yesterday, it was like burning up, you know, it was like, and it was an outdoor wedding in 95-degree weather, you know. And so we were all hot, and we were like, just imagine that we're in the snow. Imagine that we're in the snow. You know, you say stuff like that. You know, you know try, little mind games, mind trips, you know, that you try to do. And, and imagination is good. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it can be used very positively. Amen. But imagined means a mental image or a concept. Phantom means a figment of our imagination. And it's not real at all, amen, but we thought we saw it, amen, but it was just a figment of our imagination. Now, many things that we imagine are simply that. They are imagined. But there are some, especially in, in our faith, amen, and in our Christianity, amen, because we are a people of faith, there are some who live in an unhealthy state of phantom faith. Phantom faith, which simply superimposes our own wishes and desires and maybe even the things that we imagined over reality and pretends that something is there or in some cases something is not there. In other words, we superimpose something, a concept, an idea, an imagination. We, you know, we, we conjured up, and sometimes we do this in great faith. But it's phantom faith. That kind of faith is where you hear people say, no, I don't see the army. There's no army out there. No, I don't have cancer, even though it's absolute that you have cancer. Or no, we're not in debt. Don't say that, babe. Don't say that we're not in debt. Yes, they just took your car. You are in debt. Invisible, which is what we're talking about here, invisible is not even the same as hoped for. Hope for is a desire for a certain thing to happen. Hope is a good thing. Amen. It's even part of our Christian, uh, the, the bread that God's people and the fruit of the Spirit and all of those things that, that, that are good. Amen. That we, we're a people of hope. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's a desire for a certain thing to happen. Although hope 
and imagination are good for you mentally and emotionally. Elisha was not saying, here's what he was not saying. He was not saying, son, don't look at the enemy army. Just try imagining this other scene in your mind. That's not what he was saying. Elijah prayed. Elisha, rather, prayed. He said, God, open his eyes to see what is there. That's really important that we grasp that. Amen. Because this is where things get really muddy. And I mean, a lot of people talk faith, amen, but they're just way out, some kind of phantom thing going on, amen. We don't have a grip, amen. I mean, we're just seeing what we want to see, amen, instead of a reality. It's very important that we contend to see the reality, amen. But there was a reality there that this young man was not seeing. And, and Elisha prayed, God opened his eyes to see what is there. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, went outside, there were troops, horses, chariots. Oh, sir, what will we do? The young man cried, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Let him see. In other words, Elisha's praying, Lord, let him see what is there but what he is not seeing. He's only seeing this realm, Lord. Lord, take off the scales of fear which blind him to the reality of your presence and the truth that there are more on our side than on theirs. You know, I'm reminded this morning of some of the great heroes of faith. Amen. I'm reminded of Daniel. You guys know the story of Daniel? Amen. Hope so. Otherwise, we're going to send you to the Sunday school class. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Daniel in the lion's den. Amen. Daniel is thrown in a den of hungry lions, but he, you guys know the story. He comes through unscathed. And when, when Darius the king asks him, how? How did this happen? Daniel answers, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. I'm here to tell you this morning, no one else saw that angel. The guards didn't see the angel. The king didn't see the angel, but Daniel saw the angel, and the lions saw the angel. <laughs> there was an angel. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.14, man, therefore angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. The Bible teaches us very clearly that there are invisible realities that work on behalf of God's children. What we see this morning, folks, is not all there is. Amen. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, Colossians 1.16, he said, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Amen. So those things that we don't see this morning, amen. Praise the Lord. There's things happening in the spirit realm. Can you say that? Don't get all like weird on me like, ooh. <laughs> but we understand that what we see is not all there is. Amen. You know the story of Hezekiah, the king of Israel. They are facing an enemy army. The Assyrians are coming against them. It's not looking good. But listen to Hezekiah's words to his people in 2 Chronicles 32, 7 and 8. He said, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He knew something. 
There's a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. They're merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. Amen. I'm reminded this morning of Abraham, who was put through an excruciating test of faith. He was asked to sacrifice his miracle promised child, the very source from which all of the promises of God to him were going to come, or he thought that was how it was going to happen. And God then makes this this, uh, 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 command to him and says, I want you to go on the mountain. I want you to sacrifice your only son, Isaac. So Abraham prepares to obey, but he makes this unbelievable statement before he heads up to the mountain of sacrifice. He says to his servants, he says, stay here. It's found in Genesis 22. He says, stay here. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Now, in the New Testament, in the faith chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it explains this for us. It says that it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Amen. For those of you that maybe do not know this whole history, God stopped Abraham and did not allow him to sacrifice his son. But it was a test. Amen. Amen. But the point that I want you to grasp here is that Abraham knew something. It was clear by his conversation with those servants that waited behind. And he said, we are going to go and worship, and then we will come back. Abraham knew something about God that was more than just a hope so. Did you get that? He knew the character of God. He saw past the test to the character of God of God. Maybe there's some of you in this morning, you're dealing with some stuff, and, and, and you need a revelation of the character of God. I could remember when my husband uh, was, was very, very ill, and, and the terminal, the, the, you know, diagnosis, and I remembered that my entire time of prayer, the only thing I was able to pray was, God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. And what I realized later was that God was showing me his character. Amen. I was seeing his character. Amen. So that I would not be devastated and confused. Amen. That there was something I couldn't, with the natural eye, it didn't look like God was good. Amen. But there was a revelation in my spirit. Same thing with Abraham. He knew something. He saw something in the character of God that left him knowing that this is going to end good. This is going to end good. I'm reminded of Moses this morning, Hebrews 11:27. 27. It says it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes. Listen to me. He kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He was able to see what couldn't be seen in the natural realm, but was ab- an absolute substance. He was able to see the one who was invisible. I'm relied, reminded of Elijah, 
who doggedly kept sending his servant back to check for the cloud because he knew the rain was coming. He knew it was coming. And when the little tiny cloud appeared in the distance, he knew the storm had arrived. And the point is that he already knew and was watching and praying for God's timing. He understood God's timing. These are people who could see the invisible in the face of reality, folks. They weren't blind to reality. In fact, they were impacted by the reality, just like everyone else. Amen. Elijah was affected by the, the drought that they were in at that time before the rain came, just like everyone else was feeling the results and suffering from the drought. Amen. So they were impacted by reality. Amen. But these powerful people of faith could see the invisible in the face of reality, and he saw the rain in the middle of a drought. And it wasn't a hope so. He saw that there was something happening in the plan of God. These great heroes of faith knew their God. They got so close to him that they knew his will. And they trusted his ways and his timing. Did you get that? The book of Hebrews tells us, Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13, all these people died, talking about some of them that didn't see the promises. He said, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it. They saw it. This is what blows my mind. Because we live like this. They saw it. They saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. That's the kind of eyesight I want to see. Amen. The Bible says that when Christ died on the cross, amen, and he took that terrible shame of the cross, and it says, that he saw past that he looked forward amen he saw the invisible amen and he was able to take the shame and the disgrace amen of the cross amen because he was able to what he was able to see a reality that wasn't his present moment reality can you say amen these great men and women Saw, uh, of faith saw it, the promises of God not yet fulfilled in their generation. They saw the city where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more death. Hallelujah. Paul the Apostle had that kind of eyesight. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.17, he said, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Hallelujah. So my question to you this morning is what do you see? What do you see? I'm reminded of Peter, who experienced this incredible miracle. I mean, can you imagine? He actually took a few steps and walked on the water. He did it. He walked on water. Amen. 
But the Bible tells us in Matthew 14, 30, it says, but when they saw the strong wind, when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Why? Because Peter is like so many of us, that he succumbed to the fear of the very real law of water and drowning. That's a real law. That's how it works. And he succumbed to that. And you shouldn't cluck your tongues at him, amen, because we're just like Peter. <laughs> he saw the waves, and he took his eyes off of Jesus. Philip is another example of one who failed to see beyond the present reality. John 5 uh, John 6, rather, 5 through 7 says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him, turning to, uh, I'm making sure I'm not running out of time because they, they're going to gun me down if I get that. No, I'm just kidding. They're really, they're really gracious. They really were. They said, if you are long-winded, Sister Neville, we'll deal with it. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I've got 12 minutes. Hallelujah. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip. Man, the Lord is really testing. I guess he does that to us too. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Doesn't that sound like some of the stuff that happens around our dinner table? Hey, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Even if we did this and this and this, it's not going to be enough. Well, you guys know the end of that story. A little boy donates his five loaves of bread and two fish. I mean, that's a pathetic offering to come in when you've got to feed 5,000 people. <laughs> and we've had those kind of offerings. <laughs> and Jesus miraculously multiplied that offering to feed 5,000 people that day. And in, folks, I mean, think of all the miracles that Philip had, had uh, witnessed, what he had seen, and yet Philip was blinded by the immediate enormity of the need. I can relate to Philip. I've been overwhelmed by need. Maybe there's some in this building this morning that are, simply need to start seeing the unseen reality. And I'm not talking about imagining. I'm not talking about dreaming. I'm not talking about fantasizing. I am talking about the spiritual eyesight that comes through knowing our God, knowing him. Let me tell you something, folks. In case you haven't discovered it already, pain can blind us. Fear can panic us. Amen. Need can distract us. But to those who keep their eyes open to the more real world, amen. This is the temporary world, amen. There is a more real world, amen. Praise the Lord. You guys got the bumper sticker on the back of your car, not of this world, amen. Praise the Lord. Practice what you preach, amen. Practice, amen, practice what you put on the back of your car. Hallelujah. 
Amen. We need to have our eyes open to the more real world, not just the one that we momentarily see. I'm here to remind us this morning that nothing is impossible. Hebrews 11.1 in the Passion Translation says this, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. Amen. When God opened Elisha's servant's eyes that day, he still saw the enemy, amen, the enemy didn't disappear, that army didn't disappear, amen, they weren't like fried from heaven, amen, torpedoed or anything like that, amen, they were still very much there, but he also saw the Lord's army poised in front of the Arameans, blocking them from the city. And the end of the story is that God actually struck the enemies blind at Elisha's request. And they were led to Samaria where they were taken captive. Wasn't that cool? That's cool. Like somebody should make a movie out of that. Folks, the Elisha, Abraham, Daniel, Moses, Paul kind of faith is developed by knowing God intimately and learning to trust him. And when your world is reeling with fear and with panic, there's only one thing that will get you through, and that is seeing the invisible. You need to see the full picture. Some of you are only seeing the half picture. You're only seeing part of the picture. Amen. There's a part of it that's hidden from you. Amen. And you need to pray, God, open my eyes to see what is there, but I am not yet seeing because I'm here to tell you folks, amen, he sends his angels. He's at work on behalf of his people. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God loves us this morning. We, used to, we sing songs like, open our eyes, Lord, let me see Jesus. Amen. Years and years ago, there was a song that we sang. It's so old. You guys should put new rhythm to it. Amen. And it should be sang again. Amen. It, but it basically says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Praise the Lord. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.